This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Over the weekend, do yourself a favor and catch the pulse this Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. This week on the program, in the first of a three-part series on accessible fashion, Joita speaks to Izzy Camilleri, the founder of Is Adaptive, a clothing, a clothing brand that provides accessible fashions for people with disabilities. That's the pulse this Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on AMI-audio. Also available on your favorite podcast platform. And if you want to watch it, check it out on YouTube. Kelly McDonald here with Grant Hardy. Kelly, it is time to check in with John Beeler for our weekly app update. Hi, I'm John Beeler, technology expert from Vancouver. Join me on Kelly and Ramia where I share the latest app, mobile and tech news. Everything from accessibility and product launches to privacy and security. We'll cover the gamut. Hey, John, happy Friday. You surviving the snow out here? Yes, I've been basically (laughs) trapped in my house since Wednesday, so it's all good. Ah, you and me both. Well, doesn't seem like there's any technology out there to make the snow disappear just yet, but we do have some (laughs) cool stuff to chat about. Um, Let's start with the Rabbit R1 if I'm saying that correctly. Sounds like an interesting gadget. Do you want to chat about that? Yeah, this one is, I didn't see this one coming at all. Um, it is basically a an AI-powered gadget um, that has the potential to replace your smartphone. Um, they've got a couple of really interesting sort of takes on things, and this is not just another AI chatbot that you will interact with and you'd say, you know, give me some text or give me an image. What the rabbit does is um, they decided to, instead of, trying to teach, uh, you know, um, basically the AI to do those things that are already kind of commonplace elsewhere, they went a different tact. And and also, instead of having to get a bunch of developers create apps for this gadget, they thought, well, why don't we just teach the gadget how to use all the existing apps we already know? Right. So think ah. how to use Uber and and how to use um, you know Amazon and all these other things that we would normally have to interact with and do multiple steps just to get to, to do something, and so they focus their AI um, training models on to that, which is actually quite a stroke of genius because that makes it really easy for then um, for the system itself to have a much larger capacity of apps as more people use this and train it themselves, which it does have its own standalone training mode. So if you have some unique app or something like that, you can train it yourself on your device and then it sort of feeds into the collective mindset of this language model. It's a very small little device. It's about half the size of a phone, smartphone, and it does have a touch screen. It has a rotating camera on it and a simple button. It's just, it's very basic and it's meant to be specifically used with your voice. Um, But you have the screen, which is also a touch screen to sort of um, confirm things. You do have to log into uh, sort of a web portal to give it permission to use your Uber app and your other various apps like Spotify and things like that. But once you've done that once, uh, essentially you can just tell it to, you know, play some music, order me a car, 
do whatever with your voice and the AI will do all the work for you. I'm thinking this could be really cool from an accessibility perspective too, mm -hmm. because I always run into the situations where, you know, for example, a food delivery app is really accessible, but then you go to tell them, oh, I had a problem with my order or whatever. And suddenly for whatever reason, I can't use that screen. It doesn't let me click on things. So I'm thinking for something where you need to use something, but it's not fully accessible. That could be really cool to have the, the AI interact with it. Yeah, I really think this has a, a huge amount of possibilities. The other interesting thing is it's very affordable. It's uh, 200 US, so about 250, two, I think it was 275 Canadian with shipping. Um, they sold out of their first batch in minutes, and they have more batches <laughs> coming. Basically, it's going to be shipping later this spring. But I think it has some a, a, a really interesting potential um, for a lot of different reasons. And uh, I, I'm not quite 100% sure this is going to you know, replace my smartphone, but certainly this has elements of things that we've also talked about before, like the uh, Humane AI pin, uh, which is a, a similar kind of technology that's sort of coming where everything's sort of done in the cloud. Um, but it's just a really interesting space. And I really like the fact that they sort of twisted uh, the training models onto the apps themselves instead of uh, the output that you get from uh, your typical language models. I, I wonder how fast training happens when you're messing around. It seems like it's incredibly intuitive. Yeah, it sounds like, from, and, and again, not a lot of people have had a chance to play with this. This is still mm -hmm. very much in early stages, but it sounds like it's about 30 seconds to train something on it. But it depends <laughs> on how complex your app is and ah. also how accessible it will it be on this little device when you're trying to log into the portal and you know assuming it knows the app that you're wanting to use and if it doesn't then you're gonna have to spend time clicking through and, and that that part might not be the most accessible piece of this puzzle yeah yeah and i would imagine that like you said there's not a lot with the touch screen there's not a lot there that way but obviously it it would learn your whatever you want it to your voice over and that as well i would imagine or John, it has, does it have its own, well, because it's got to interact with you, it, does it have its own specific speech program? I, it has their own operating system, so I would suspect it does. Um, yeah, that's part we of haven't it. seen a lot of examples of it yet. But the other interesting thing you can do with this too is it's not just limited to sort of on-the-go use. Um, they have sort of like a virtual version of it that you could install on your laptop. So you can actually oh. do the same kinds of things to your desktop apps as well. And the example they gave is doing a fairly complex bit of Photoshop photo pro, uh, processing, uh, manipulating a bunch of photos, in, you know, repeatedly and basically training the, 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 the AI, like, this is how I want you to do it. And then you can just say, okay, go and do that thing on my Photoshop <laughs> folders now. And uh, it'll just <sighs> That's do that. amazing. Wow, not to mention just gets you grounded in it, gets it part of your world and and then move it to either way from either device to to the other to and just start making it take over or, or just be so entrenched as you get working it. Uh, let's move on to your second item. The mouth pad turns your mouth mouth hang on mouth into a mouse for your phone. Yes, okay, I wanted to make sure I was saying that right, John. Yeah, this is a really neat uh, gadget. Uh, these types of devices are not new, but this particular one sort of stood out to me because I haven't quite seen one quite as uh, 
slick as this one. Uh, essentially, mm -hmm. what they've done is they've 3D printed uh, from a, a mold of your mouth a very small and very thin retainer that has basically a trackpad, uh, a Bluetooth uh, controller, and a battery built into it. So essentially, you can use your tongue to navigate your phone or your computer. And you know they're claiming that this is much more accurate and more precision uh, for those types of tasks with your tongue, especially if you have any kind of mobility or, or other issues where you can't use your hands uh, to do those types of things. And it just, it seems really nice and small. And you might have a slight lift with it when it's in your mouth. Um, but other than that, it's pretty much normal. So the average person might not even notice that you're wearing it. Wow. And, and maybe if you had, like, if you're on the city bus or whatever, it may give you what seems strange enough, a little more control than your hand trying to move things, tap on things or do anything. But like, like that's, that's fascinating. I, I can't even imagine thinking this up. Yeah, no, this is a really cool little gadget. I, I wasn't able to find a price for it, but it's it's sort of brand new, and it just seems really interesting and exciting uh, that they've got this little gadget. And I think a lot of people would be interested in this for a number of different reasons, depending on you know whether it's not just an accessibility thing, but also just a sheer convenience thing for some tasks as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah I wonder about the life lifespan of you know in, in, inside the environment using it the way and again for someone who has to this is an accessible need that gives them so much power uh, i wonder you know again we know there's so much you could make that is would be waterproof or whatever you want to call it, saliva proof that's incredible yeah it's one of these things where again with so many accessibility yeah. tools i feel that for some for some people it's going to be just essential for other oh. people, it'll be fun to play with or just make life a little bit easier. And you'll have everyone yeah. in between, too. I just love <laughs> the the things that we can get that we do uh, accessibly. Like, that that will make such a huge difference to someone else that some other people might, oh, that's kind of funny and that. But for someone else, say, you know what it gives me? <laughs> it gives me power. I am someone who tends to feel that Google probably knows everything about me probably more than i'm actually comfortable with them knowing and now they are admitting because of course they do that they collect data in chrome's incognito mode yeah this is uh kind of not a surprise but this is something that's sort of been brewing for a while um they've agreed to settle a five billion dollar lawsuit accusing it of tracking incognito users so what they've done is they've clarified what that actually means in addition to settling this lawsuit. Um, so now when you start using uh, incognito mode, uh, pr 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 primarily on the beta channel for Chrome right now, but it's coming to the sort of the stable regular version of Chrome very soon, uh, you're going to be prompted to sort of, ex and it's going to explain to you when you go to incognito mode, what is it actually doing? Mm -hmm. What it does is it it prevents people on your device from seeing your activities. So say, for example, you have a family computer, you want to shop for you know uh, a family member's gift and you don't want to show them what you've been shopping for, you would use yeah. incognito mode. Uh, that's a very simple simplifi simplification of how you would use incognito mode. The thing is, when you're using it, Google is still well aware of where you're going. Uh, the website that you're going to is well aware of where you're going, but someone else looking at your history is not going to see any breadcrumbs of where you've been on that device specifically. 
So they've clarified that position. And because a lot of people, I think, misunderstood incognito mode, that it, you're invisible to the internet, and that's not the right. case. So do, do you know whether, because obviously we have identifiers that tells Google that, okay, I'm connecting from the same house, but I'm wondering, like, do you know whether they relate it specifically back to you in incognito mode? It sounds I, like they that's do, a, maybe. I, I would imagine they would, especially if you're using the same device all the time, you're using the same IP address for a similar IP address in a similar part of town. The Google Maps already has you logged and plotted on mm -hmm. a map. You know, there's lots of things that they can make some pretty good educated guesses and the AI will fill in the in the in the blanks anyways. <laughs> of course it will. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, and it's interesting because, again, we know we're always being tracked one way or another. But then, yes, John, I'm sure so many people felt, I've got the mode on. No one knows what I'm doing. No one in your house knows. Yeah, that's what I think people forget. Yeah, well, Google it knows everything. Um, anything that you see, you know, with this now and the understanding, I mean, the clarification to me, makes total sense and and your example is absolutely spot on that's a great one uh anything else people should know about this as we you know look at it going forward especially any you know admitting that they're doing with this do you think this will lead to something else it's interesting because i mean other other browsers have a, a, a more lockdown state like i know firefox for example you yeah. can turn off all of that history and all those tracking uh, codes and tags and uh, cookies and all those types of things. So in es essentially on Firefox and some other browsers, you are invisible to the internet or you're just an anonymized number. You're not something that they can actively track and, and tie back to something. Um, so I think Google to sort of save face would it be in their best interest to actually offer something like that, but also... Yes kind of goes directly against their primary business model, which is to exactly. earn revenue through advertising and tracking their users. Sounds oh, like boy. if I'm looking up the price for Taylor Swift tickets, I'm going to have to find a more subtle way of doing it so the world doesn't go incognito. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it is always a heck of a lot of fun chatting with you. we got to cut it off there, I think. But uh, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Have a great weekend. And you thanks, as well. And we'll chat with you next week. John Beeler will be back next Friday and every Friday for the weekly app update. We step aside for two minutes, folks. Food prices are set to rise in uh, 2024. We've heard it. We know it. But there's more good news than the prior year. Beth Deer will fill us in when she joins us next for The Buzz. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.